comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 52. KD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. This week's episode, John Carroll of the Carroll Chronicles comes back on the show, along with special guests Ryan King and Julian Lytle, as we talk about some of our favorite wrestlers of all time, some of our favorite wrestling storylines and moments of all time, and even the good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, so sit back, relax, and have a good time with us as we take you back into the time machine, the way back machine, and you know we get you all pumped up in the steroid era and the attitude era of WWF and the NWO, WCW stuff, just a little bit of everything. Um, props to the Old School Wrestling Podcast, actually, after hearing some of their uh, classic episodes, uh, the wonderful podcast, you can find them at flarechop.com. You know, if I talk with some friends, we're like, yo, let's do this wrestling episode so we can reminisce a little bit and have some fun. So um, if it wasn't for them, we probably wouldn't have done this episode. So props to y'all once again for putting on a great podcast. And I hope you don't think that, you know, we're trying to bite off y'all. <laughs> All right. Now, check it. After this episode airs um, next week, you're going to get a brand new Tales from the Attic podcast. And then the week after that, we come back with another with another PKD black box we're going to talk about some comics. We're going to talk about some cartoons. You know, I think that might be a two-parter if, I, if memory serves me right. But just sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. And I hope you really have a good time. And now, our feature presentation. I am joined on the line right now with three very good friends of mine. First person is a, a co-host of the PKD Black Box, also host of the Carroll Chronicles, ladies and gentlemen, John Carroll. John, how you doing, sir? 
I am doing good. I'm doing a hell of a lot better since Kansas lost. Uh, hey, guess you can tell what day we're taping this. <laughs> as long as Kentucky loses, I, it's going to be a great day. All right, then. <laughs> also on the line, we have the one and only multi-talented, glyph-nominated, webcomic-slinging, always bringing it no matter where he goes, no matter what, what he does in life. This man is a true talent. Ladies and gentlemen, Julian Lido. Julian, how you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. Doing all right. Watch some wrestling. All right now. See, see, you had to get that extra get that extra research in before we started. Yeah, that's right. I also had to play that new WWE game too. Had oh. a demo out. Oh, All Stars demo is out. Yeah, it's epic. Oh no, okay. it's epic. <laughs> Everybody look like action figures from 1987. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I gotta have that now. Uh-huh. Stop it. <laughs> All right. Also on the line is, is a very special guest, new to the PKD Black Box. Uh, he is a good friend, avid listener, all-around just good dude in general. Uh, he is the co- co-host of The Trip, co-host of the Incredible Hulk cast. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ryan King. Ryan, how you doing, sir? I am doing great. Excellent. Thanks for coming aboard. No problem. All right. This is what we're going to do this episode. We are going to talk about some of our favorite wrestlers, uh, wrestling moments, storylines, what have you. Anything wrestling related from, you know, today, yesterday and yesteryear. So, you know, we got this little panel together. We're just going to have some good roundtable talk. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let our newest guest uh, go first. Uh, So, you know what? Talk whatever you want. You ever want to talk about storyline, wrestler, what have you go for it. Oh, man. Yeah, put me on the spot here. Well, I know I started with wrestling probably like second grade, and it was around the whole time when Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling was out. All right. And uh, I had a buddy who was big into wrestling, so you know I was picking his ear at recess one day about the wrestlers and all that. And then he told me about this guy named Ricky Steamboat, and I said, this guy sounds cool. So I started watching wrestling on Saturdays because you know it came on Saturday mornings like it you know should be. And uh, it was right when... Macho Man attacked Ricky Steamboat and put him on the shelf for a few months because he, you know, jacked his start up with the double axe handle. And then after that, I saw WrestleMania three. So that was my first like big event I saw, and I saw Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man have one of the still to this day, one of the very finest matches ever in wrestling history, where Ricky Steamboat won the Intercontinental Championship. Mm. And ever since then, you know, I've been kind of hooked on wrestling. I took a little departure from it a little bit, but then the whole NWO thing and WCW brought me back to it again. Then WCW, of course, went down the toilet. So I've been kind of watching WWE ever since. You took my pick. <laughs> What's that? I was going to pick Ricky, Ricky Steamboat. He's yes. the man. Yes, he is. One of, one of the best technical wrestlers in, in the history of wrestling. Mm. Flat out. And, the only, and he and Sting are the only two guys never to go heel. Actually, Sting has gone heel. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of up in the air whether or not he really went heel. You talking about talking about red face Sting, right? Oh, that's not heel. That was like the face NWO. (laughs) Red Red NWO was not even a bad guy. That was like I think it was when Vince Russo took over. Though they made Sting a bad guy for a little while. Okay, man, that must have been what two seconds. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it was a month though. We don't talk. Don't he was only a heel when he was on Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> he was only a bad guy when he was on Thunder in Paradise. Oh, you took it there. See, but what I like most about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was, I guess for me as a kid, you know, he kind of looked like Bruce Lee, but like he was real amped up. He had all those killer moves. Plus, he had 
a, he had a great feud with Ric Flair in the late seventies, and oh, yeah. then again in the late eighties, early nineties with that um, triple match. Um, mm-hmm. He did with Flair. Like one match was in Chicago, I think one match was in uh, Louisiana, and I forget what the other one was. Yeah, for for the belt, and they were fantastic. Oh, they were. I, the thing that hurt me most. Well, I shouldn't say hurt, but the thing I didn't like, and this was was still when the WWE was the WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, when they brought back, <laughs> when they when they brought back Steamboat, yeah, one last time, and he had the and he had the dragon outfit on, and they made him spit fire, breathing fire. Yep. Oh, dude, I did not like that at all. Yeah, I, I did not because, like, don't get me wrong. I understand that it was still very kid friendly, very family oriented, but it still took it a little too far for me. Yeah, I, I did not like that. <laughs> you know, I, I saw I saw that in the Ricky Steamboat documentary. I didn't even know that happened, and uh, I was just like, oh. This oh, is, I remember when that happened. I, was like, this, I do too. Unfortunately, this is not a good look. This is yeah. I just caught that Steamboat documentary this week because it's on that Netflix Instant. So. Yes caught it on there it was nice it's real nice and i didn't know that his match with stone Cold stunning steve austin and wcw was his last was his last match up until um that wrestlemania and then backlash against jericho Absolutely. yeah it's kind of a freak injury to land on your tailbone like that and compress your discs together yeah man and the fact that like 15 16 years later to come back and wrestle uh, that's just it's kind of amazing man because like normally something like that happens i don't think you should really try to wrestle again but i think it also shows the trust he put in jericho well jericho's a hell of a wrestler though yeah and also he's one of those guys that you could trust yes. i mean like somebody like benoit before his last year somebody like jericho brad armstrong you had those guys that you trusted to be able to just walk into the ring and do stuff like flair yeah they knew they could trust him jericho is a huge steamboat fan too All right, cool. Go for it. My favorite wrestler of all time is the greatest tag team wrestler of all time and is the man that you could call as the best psychologist in all of wrestling. And that is Double A, Arn Anderson. (laughs) Not Arn Anderson. Double A, Arn Anderson. His ring psychology, the way he could work a mic was unparalleled. The only person who could work a mic better than him in the late 80s was his boy, Ric Flair. Yeah, it is true. And yeah. you watch that second gen- the second generation horsemen and the late 95 horsemen are two of the best stables you'll ever see. Yeah. Arn, Tully, Flair, Luger, and then later on when it was Flair, Arn, your boy Pillman and Barry Wyndham was on there. I said second generation, not third oh, okay. generation. All second right. generation. Luger was better than Wyndham, I think. It was more scary. Yeah. I did like Barry Wyndham. I, I think, like, well, Wyndham's best work was, you know, when he was, it was, you know, world championship wrestling, but that's when they had, like, you know, they showed you NWA matches, Mid-South matches, and all that stuff. I think that's when he was at his best, though. But, but now, go, go ahead, go ahead. Tell me more about Arn. Oh, oh you put him in a tag team match. With anyone, and they could, and they automatically became a title contender. I mean, he and Tully would just, I mean, you just watch them. They would work that one body part and made you believe that they were really about to break somebody's arm. Mm. I remember watching a a, a Saturday night tape uh, when they when he had come back 
and it was him and Oli before they kicked Oli out for like what the third time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just were working this jobber this jobber team, not the state patrol, some other random jobber team. And we're just working that arm, picking them up, slamming them on that arm, picking them up, just twisting it, doing what, well, I'm sure as we've all seen, Arn Anderson bread tricks yeah. and tools. And the, eventually the the uh, ref just called the match with about 10 minutes in because the guy couldn't, he just like went, touched the arm and the guy was like, ah! He's like, okay, <laughs> the match is over. And he had two of the greatest devastating of all time. He had the best spine buster, fuck you, Rock, and <laughs> the best DDT. Fuck you, Jake Roberts. Don't be listening to Rock. You about to do that to Vin Diesel. <laughs> That's right. Dude, Ice Cube could do that to Vin Diesel. I don't care. It's The Rocks. It's Dwayne Johnson's. Thank you. Yeah, and Arn Anderson's Spine Buster is still better. Yeah, they compare when Spine Buster's Arn. <laughs> I always remember Arn just like when he had that crazy wild-eyed look when he'd just like jump up and then he'd just all of a sudden and then he'd go, wow, and then just fall down sometimes. Wait a minute. Now, no, hold up. Now, did Arn Anderson have a tag? He's part of a tag team that was also managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan, right? The Brain Busters. The Brain Busters. That was him and Tully before Tully just found Jesus. Was that WWF or was that WCW or that was WWF when they left when they left NWA to go to uh, to go to uh, WWF? Yeah, they signed like I think they only signed a one year deal. And remember, they were the ones who had the titles and lost and dropped into demolition. Okay, just wanted to say this last thing, and it wasn't even that he could wrestle better than a lot of people and just carry people. It's his mic skills. He was he and Flair were the, one of the founders of the. It's not how you work a work the mic in the arena. It's how you work the mic on TV to sell it. But no, man, it's one of those things where like a lot of those cats from Mid South NWA, those guys really knew how to build, knew, really knew how to use the mic, and you know it was a little bit different, like. Now, once we got to the WWF, when WWF basically, like, you know, started out with first WrestleMania and stuff, and Hulkamania was going down, then those dudes really started to learn how to use the mics during interviews and stuff like that. If that's true, then how do you explain the Ultimate Warrior's mic skills? He has no mic skills. And and <laughs> that's that's just pretty much the easiest way to settle it. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Exactly. <laughs> oh, come on. He did. He didn't have, he, he wasn't cocaine. That was early meth. Come on. Nah, meth and steroids do not mix. That, that was coke. It's just that he didn't, his, the coke didn't give him the power. Like he gave Macho Man the power. When you see Macho Man of coke, on coke, it's like, it's like watching Bobby Brown do a concert. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Remember how the Ultimate Warrior ran to the uh, good old uh, ring, especially WrestleMania Six. Everybody else is taking the cart down. He's like, "Screw that noise! I'm going to run the entire length of the stadium twice." Jeez. Yeah, that's what made him so tough, though. That's why all the, that's why all the kids love him. Mm-hmm. He was so hype. He run in. He beast out. He run out. <laughs> he he was like the original Goldberg. You know, he was like he was like Akuma. You know, like when you fight Akuma in Street Fighter, he just come in and he freaking beat the heck out of M Bison, and then you had to like, oh, who the heck is this dude? And you had to fight him. That was Ultimate Warrior. He just come out of nowhere, beat you down, and then he's like, Rah! and just run away. Shake the ropes. <laughs> I can't even lie. Cause at the time, I bought into all that. Oh man, everybody You're supposed is. to. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody did, man. Shoot, I, I was. Go ahead. 
I'm saying if I ever did a freaking Hawk and Dove comic, like the current one, that's how Hawk should be. Hawk should just come into the middle of the comic book, grab the side of the panels, shake it, Kirk out, <laughs> and leave the book. <laughs> I have been reading. I have kind of read Hawk as that way in some of the older stuff too. Oh, exactly. He's the ultimate warrior with a bird costume on. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, I tell you, uh, considering uh, the politics of Ultimate Warrior and the politics of Hawk, they're about the same. Yeah, that is true. That, that is. <laughs> All right, look, let's go ahead and let Julian have his pick. Julian, go ahead, bro. Your turn. Now, you know, all your listeners might not even know this. You know, you, you catch me on a good day. You know, I'm going to talk about how when I grow up, I'm going to have a Ric Flair robe <laughs> and the WCW World Heavyweight Championship belt. That's because Ric Flair is the greatest professional wrestler of all time. Ric Flair, if he's broken, if he's healthy, if he if he's sweaty, if he got sunglasses on, can nobody work a mic like that man? Here today, Ric Flair will be going, as many people say, for the final time for the world heavyweight title. For a man who's won it five times, Rick, how does this extra pressure affect you? Well, what it tells me, Lance Russell, is today, woo, I've got the style and profile like never before. Steamboat, let me go on record as telling the whole world you are the greatest wrestler on the face of this earth. But pal, today, right here, you gotta beat Ric Flair one more time. Remember Steamboat, and pal, I'll kiss your boots if you can do it. But to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here in Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. Ric Flair and Steamboat, you're going to be mine. Woo. What, no Rick Martell with arrogance? No, he, he, he's nowhere on the level of, of Mr. Perfect and Ravisher Rick Rude and Ric Flair. Ravisher Rick Rude had that, that, that Jerry Curl. <laughs> yes. Airbrush tights. Yes. Airbrush tights. Jer- yes. The, the perm fro. <laughs> yeah, and I was, he was killing the streets with that right there. Yo, and that and mu- mustache. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the Selleck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. The only yeah. person I've ever seen rock the no. Selleck. I think Selleck called his the Rick Rude. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. It was just crazy. Cause that, but that match was supposed to happen. But, like, on the documentary, they said that people weren't feeling. Hogan versus Flair. So that's why they switched it up and made it Savage versus Flair instead. And and I don't know if it's because like all the WWF fans were so entrenched with WWF that they didn't understand WCW because now at that time, you know, wrestling still had was it wasn't as divisional as it, you know, as it was before because like you had Mid-South, you had uh, NWA, you had, you know, stuff in Baltimore. You had all these different sections all over the country had their own federations. And as the years went by, they started to dissolve because you had WWF and then you had uh, Crockett Promotions with, with their stuff. But I just don't know why the WWF fans didn't take to Hogan versus Flair because Hogan at the time was the biggest guy in WWF. Flair is the biggest guy in WCW. So it makes perfect sense. But for some reason, the fans didn't buy into that. And I never knew why. I think that's bullshit. I think it's Hogan refused to job. Hogan refused to... Hogan, the only reason he jobbed to the Warrior was because basically he wanted to go off and do Thunder and what was that horrible movie he did? Suburban Commando. Which one? 
Not Suburban Commando, the first uh, one. No Holds Barred? No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred. He wanted to go Zeus. do No Holds Barred. And the, reason he, and the only reason he jobbed to Andre was, well, it, A, it's Andre, and Andre wanted to. Andre could stomp Hogan without even trying. He even says that now, like, yeah, like, you only win if Andre and John want you to win. But, I mean, that was the main reason, was that he just refused, is that I don't think he want, he refused to job to Flair is what I had always heard. Hmm. And you could tell, because even, when let's say, when he, he had that show with his family, and he went before his Hall of Fame thing. He was like, oh, look at all these guys, you know. Being the fact, it was like, it was uh, Roddy Piper. It was a whole bunch of guys. It was for the, the Hall of Fame. And, you know, Ric Flair was there. He was talking like he looked so much better than them. Like, yo, Ric Flair's still on twice a week. A year on VH1 with your daughter promoting her album. <laughs> You're clearly still a lot in the game. Ric Flair's making it happen every freaking day. Are we sure? Are we sure it's his daughter or his girlfriend who looks a hell of a lot like nah, his daughter? Was, which is really like, creepy. This is when the show first started, so no. Oh, okay, much. okay. His daughter was still a teenager. He was still married. Everything was peachy keen. <laughs> At least the way we thought. This is before Miami. The only thing about Flair is after he had that match to retire with HBK, he should have stayed. Uh, he should not have shown up on TNA. That's all I gotta say. Yo, they, he, need, he needed the money. He uh, yeah. he had both his fourth and fifth divorces. After that, yeah, the only reason Flair is still going now is because he needs money. I think that's the only reason why anyone's on TNA is because they need money. That's why Hogan's on there. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know what? I'm not even going to go there with with TNA because you know a couple years ago, I that that organization was on the up and up. Yeah, and they were really pushing. They were and they were really pushing new wrestlers and guys that never got a break for other federations. Yeah, but but now. The, you know they're doing some things that are they're kind of cool you know they gave they gave flair a stable kind of like kind of like evolution but still it's yeah. like eh, it's just it's not what it can be that's what they brought in you let um hulk hogan and be yep. a part owner of it and start running things you he bring, bring his friends back in, in there. yeah yeah yep. and there's three guys that are absolutely toxic to your federation Nash, Hogan, Bischoff. Yeah. And you notice Triple H, even though he used to be friends with uh, uh, a lot of these guys, he you, you realize he took the same advice that Flair did, and basically he isn't pushing himself as much as he could. Hmm. Is Triple H is tri- married into the McMahons. He doesn't need to. He's good. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. that, but, he, but how many guys do you think out there are actually friends of Triple H that are really uber successful? Triple Shawn H is smart. Yeah, Shawn but Sean is Sean out front as much as he used to be, or even after Sean when he came back with Sean really out that much. Either way, he does, I don't really think Sean Michaels need to be Sean Michaels. Yeah, he's like my number two dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. it the, kind of it's like okay, whenever Hogan comes in and Nash come in, all of a sudden you're going to see Scott drunken asshole <laughs> and all the wonderful uh, Hogan friends. Whereas, I mean, come on, if Triple H really was going to promote his friends, don't you think we see six in China? Who, who knows if they're even still friends anymore? True. Like you you clearly true. see two people who took the wrong way in life, and one Those person. Two of his best boys. <laughs> oh, that's foul. The one, two, three kid. So foul. You said bass is best dude. That's messed up. Trying to do look kind of feminine. You know what I'm saying? Post wrestling. Did she get? I'm, I'm taking. I'm putting the train back on the track. <laughs> <laughs> He did him dirty, John. He did him dirty, Sean. You gotta. Yeah, I put the trade back over the track. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, my pick. But no, on the flare, on the flare match, that flare match at WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels is off the hook. And the one WrestleMania match, like when Rock fought Flair, 
that one was a good one too. Now, but it's like as far as old school matches go, I still say the matches between Steamboat and Flair were always tops. And like John said, what was that you said about Flair carrying somebody through a match? Uh, that was the old joke is that a Flair could carry a broom to a five-star match. It's, it's the absolute truth. That dude, that man could carry a match. Now, yeah, does it hurt me when I, when I see him like sometimes on TNA and he comes out in the robe and the luster is gone and the shine is gone? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It, it, it does, it, you know, it hurts me a bit. I mean, like, look, I know some of, you know, we think we know the reasons why he's still, why he's still wrestling stuff, you know, for, for financial reasons. But, but at the same time, some people can't let it go because Terry Funk's a perfect example of that, too. You know, yeah, just, Funk kept going for years. Yeah, Funk kept going for a long time. I mean, at the age of 53, he was ECW champion. This man was taking beatings, beatings. Well, he has Texans, so. Oh, right, right. <laughs> but um, well, th- I mean, think about. It. I mean, it's been tw- think back twenty plus years to those to those bash matches and those uh, WrestleMania matches that he had against Luger and Sting and those Clash of the Champions ones, and those are some of the greatest matches you'll ever see. Yeah, man. And they went forty five minutes to sixty minutes. Yes. And well, Flair wouldn't let you do a rest hold. No. You didn't have very long rest holds. No. You didn't have your three, four, five minute rest holds. You had action, continuous. And still to this day, where Flair cut some of the best promos I've ever seen. Uh, thanks to YouTube, I've seen a ton of them. <laughs> they are classic. I've even you know posted some on Twitter. Ric Flair moments of the day to get you all inspired and hyped up. Like you know, Rock cuts great promos, but you don't get that unless you know unless you have Flair. Period. You know what I mean? And, and like a lot of wrestlers, uh, Jericho. I mean, you know, all these guys. You do not have those great talkers if you don't have the Rick. Uh, you know, if you don't have a guy like Ric Flair. I'm going to go to somebody who Julian lightly mentioned for a second, and to me, he was one of the ultimate villains, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Ooh, that, that, not Ted, not Ted. Yes. yes. <laughs> money, 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 money. All that kid wanted to do is bounce that basketball. Because <laughs> tagline, everybody's got a price. And he had that evil cackle laugh. That, that, super, that super villain, evil cackle laugh. Which to this day is just just it's fantastic. The one thing I always liked about Million Dollar Man is is that he's a true heel in every sense of the word. Okay, yeah, true heel. There is no, but there are very few wrestlers like that. Even nowadays, there are some heels, but not like Ted DiBiase. He, he personified that Million Dollar personality as well. For instance, like he said when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame that you know vince and all of them wanted him to live this lavish lifestyle so they put him in the nice hotels they made him ride in the limos other wrestlers got jealous but they were like you have to personify and embrace this personality in order to become this person you know he was a hell of a wrestler too and with the uh, million dollar dream as like as you know it's like one of his uh, finishing moves basically like a sleeper move the Cobra Clutch. Yeah. Do you guys understand how many people I got put into a million dollar dream? I put a dude in college in a million dollar dream, put his ass to sleep. <laughs> Freshman year, 1998, fall. Let's go. So besides all, all the cool matches and stuff, and you know, and him like also you know buying the belt from Andre the Giant just to make Jack Tunney put out the longest uh, WrestleMania tournament in the history of uh, WrestleManias for it to end up being uh, Macho Man Savage versus Ted DiBiase for the belt, but. The creation of the million-dollar belt, 
I remember this like this was yesterday, and this was when the WWF they used to have like those like um, like little videos and stuff. The Million Dollar Man pulls up to this jewelry store, all right, and there's like the camera is panning, is the camera is panning, and it's the front door, and you see it from far away, and you see the Million Dollar Man walk to the front door. He doesn't walk in yet. He walks to the front door, and he's got like this cape on, and he opens up the cape. You know, kind of like as if he was like this ultimate supervillain or Dracula or whatever. But he opens up his cape and he's got this like fly suit on. He's, he's here to pick up his belt. I'm here! I'm here! The million dollar man is here. <laughs> and I want my belt. I want to see my million dollar belt. Where's Terry Betteridge? I want to see the million dollar belt and I want to see it right now. <laughs> show it to me, show it to me. I want to see it now. I want to see it now. Mr. DiBiase, finally we have a creation worthy of the Million Dollar Man. It's our finest creation. There's months of work here. Let me see it. Let me see it. It's mine. It's mine. The most magnificent belt ever created. And it's mine. Finally. Finally a possession worthy of the Million Dollar Man. A possession to go around the most magnificent waist in the entire wrestling world. And it's mine. Finally, something that will show the entire wrestling world just how truly great I really am. <laughs> to me, that was like the coolest thing ever. Do you guys remember the arcade game, WWF Superstars? Mm. Oh, yeah. And how they used to have the animated part, and they had Mean Gene talking to Million Dollar Dream. He had that, that laugh, that, that, uh, 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 uh. And he was pointing at you, he pointed at the screen. You know what I'm saying? Oh, God damn, he was such a bad guy. He was up there with freaking Mr. Sandman to punch out. Yep. <laughs> That's why Million Dollar, the Million Dollar Man was like on my list, because I just thought the dude was just the ultimate villain. And when he made his um, Hall of Fame speech and he brought the, the million dollar belt out at the Hall of Fame induction and he put it on, on the podium and just started talking, I was just like enthralled the whole time. So, so yeah, man, mil the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, putting people in the million dollar dream and stuffing a $100 bill down their down mouth. Down throat. Yes. Yep. Classic. <laughs> Poor Virgil had to go back and get them all out of the mouth afterwards. <laughs> Virgil. Terrible. But, um... Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, if now all of y'all have gone to uh, Wizard Cons, and of course the wrestlers that are there, it's always really funny to see these guys that you grew up loving in the '80s and early '90s, and how bad they look. But Ted's one of the few guys you look at that still looks the exact same. Yep, because he had Jesus. Virgil. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, sure. Uh, and Virgil looks sim looks about the same but it's just funny because uh, this last right, one I mean, right. the two of them were like at this we're next to each other and we're just like talking the whole time on a preview night and we're like whatever to some people he's aged real well but then again you know he I, got out yeah he got out you're right you're absolutely right he got out and even when he got that wcw money when he hopped over to wcw he did not wrestle much no he did not wrestle much when he was at wcw and he got paid then again a lot of them wcw cats during the bischoff era got mad contracts it's ridiculous the amount of money some of those dudes got paid, but um, you know they was just ski masking that money for a period of time. Ridiculous, but anyway.
one storyline that I just thought when I saw it live on pay-per-view, just reeled me in the whole time, and I was just so psyched about it afterwards, was at Survivor Series 98. And basically, you had this big tournament going on, and Rock was kind of starting to become a face a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then it turned out, you know, he beat, I think, Ken Shamrock, and then he beat Big Boss Man. And at the end, you found out it was all a setup, and he was with the corporation the whole time, and he was with Vince McMahon, and he was the corporate champ. And I just loved it because, like, like, no one saw it coming. It was such a huge swerve at the time. It was done so well. And at the end, you had people who were cheering this man, just booing him from, from you know, start to finish. And it made me love him even more. I was just like... I just love The Rock. It was just such a good moment as far as pay-per-views go. Such a good storyline. It was just, uh, I mean, to this day, I don't can't think of a time where they like kind of got me mm. as much as they did back on Survivor Series '98. Forgot all about the whole corporate champion thing and the corporation. That yeah. that's man. That's when things really started to pick up and at, at, for like well WWF WWE WWEIO whatever they call themselves. That's when the, <laughs> it was still WWF back then. Yeah. Okay. At, Screw the Wildlife Foundation. <laughs> that's when it really started to pick up. I'll, that's and that's when I honestly got back into it. I got back into it around in, the, in '98. That's when I got back into wrestling and started going back and like watching that WCW NWO stuff. But yeah, man, the Rock is corporate champion because he had just come on. He had just left. The nation. Nation of domination. Yep. Yes. He left them and people were like, oh, the Rocks could be a good guy. <laughs> and I think they set it up for like Boss Man like, tried to toss his nightstick to Ken Shamrock, but Rock intercepted it and then hit him over the head. And it turned out that was all set up. And Oh, man. It was just done so well, like I said. Because Boss Man had been in WCW for a minute and he had just come back and he was... Uh, he was like the enforcer for the corporation. Yes, but, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And when he faced Bossman, he just rolled him up real quick and pinned him, so he kept Brock fresh for that last match he had. I think it was against Mankind, I believe. Mm. No, that, uh, that wasn't the match where Mankind got hit with the chair like 30-something times, was it? No. 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 Okay. Wasn't that one. And it wasn't oh, the one was where days. the Rock got pinned with a forklift either. Oh, I remember that one. That was the <laughs> halftime heat match. Yeah. That the was MD the arena match. Yes. One of the greatest matches ever. Yeah. Love Did you ever wonder how the camera got on the forklift? Because at the end, you actually see the rock's face, like the point of view of the forklift coming down on him as it's pinning him, and I thought that was awful. But the match itself was good. That was awesome in the middle of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Watch. I stopped watching football like when it was halftime. I went straight to halftime heat, and I did not leave halftime heat until that match was over. <laughs> I just remember the Rock bashing mankind with whatever was on the buffet table, and he was naming the fruit. I'm, Rock's hitting you with this. Rock's hitting you with this. And then he holds up something, and he's like, Rock's hitting you with, I don't know what the hell this is. And he hit him anyway. And I just thought that was hilarious. You know, the Rock was off the chain back then, yo. The corporation was big, and uh, Stone Cold came out with that truck with the beard. Yeah. And he, sh- he hosed him down, yo, with the beard. <laughs> wasn't anything like it especially during that period of time where you had somebody like you know not to take away from rock being corporate champion but the whole thing was stone cold and and and, uh, and mcmahon that like kind of personified the boss versus employee boss versus employee angle where like you know in real life there are a lot of people who have jobs they can't stand their boss and and it kind of was kind of like some type of you know, crazy reflection of that. So you got like Steve Austin as like the everyday man that just takes no shit and is going to get stick it to the man, Vince McMahon. Yeah, the, the beer truck shit was awesome though. It's also what swung the Monday Night Wars back. Yeah, man, it was crazy. I remember the first time I saw the 
current era on WWF. I was at a friend's house birthday party, and I saw like Stone Cold stun Vince McMahon. I was like, "What? <laughs> Who is this Stone Cold dude? When did Vince McMahon get from behind the announcing table? When did he own the company? Oh my God! What is that called? The Stone Cold Stunner." This is awesome. 16-year-old Julian lost his brain. I love... It's funny how good of a wrestler Steve was until he got his neck broke by Owen Hart. He had to completely change up who he was as a wrestler. And it's a good thing he did because, I mean, hell, he stunned everybody. He didn't give a shit who you were. Double finger, stunner. Double finger, stunner. No, double finger, kick kick to the groin area, stunner. Or or kick to the stomach. Kick to the gut. Yeah, kick to the gut, stunner. He did it to women, men, midgets. Yeah. He didn't care. He, he stunned you all. That, that's taking me back to some good times because I know I still got a lot of these episodes of Raw from like the late 90s on tape. I envy you. I would pay good money just to have like a constant cycle from 1996 to like 2003. There was a match a week before the week of WrestleMania. The week WrestleMania was going to happen, there was a match on Raw where The Rock was going to fight Road Dog on Raw. Yeah. Oh, Road Dog. I miss Road Dog. Yeah. Rock Road Dog, Jesse James. Yes. <laughs> He was going to fight Road Dog on Raw before WrestleMania, and it was a title match. Now, in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's no way Rock is going to lose this match before WrestleMania because he's going to fight Stone Cold. You know, at WrestleMania, was it 14 or 15? I want to say 15. And so, like, he starts to fight, you know, he starts to fight Road Dog or whatever, and he, and he takes Road Dog over to the announcer's booth, slams, you know, Road Dog on the table. He takes the headset from <laughs> yeah. uh, from either Ross or, uh, or the King, starts talking shit, and is beating Road Dog just like stomping on him and talking shit at the same time. Yeah. I had never seen that before. He's doing his own play by play. Yes. <laughs> and it was great. It, uh, I, you know, that was, I'd never seen anything like that before in my entire life. And I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. I got to yeah. find these tapes, man. I've I mean, got the Rock was the, uh, the Rock was the evolutionary Ric Flair. Yeah. The Rock, uh, yeah. Ric Flair is more like the psychological and not, but I think Rock, as far as taking the mic and just entertaining you, was the man and he still is because now he's about to come back and he's still got it man i used to do that joint in college in the cafeteria had people dying the whole thing <laughs> talk about somebody's hat talk about the food on it all in my rock voice had people dying i can't even do that no more 30 something year old julie can't do 18 year old julian's things still every once in a while pull out the it doesn't matter y'all turn that somebody sideways was my shit <laughs> I have two favorite storylines. Now, there's the one that I every time I think of, I laugh my ass off. And then there's the one that I love the most. The one that I love the most is early NWO, that first six months to a year. Oh, my God. The early NWO was my favorite just because of the, what they did. I think that they overbooked it, and they should have had them lose a couple of times because, I'm sorry, WCW's match, their one defining match is War Games. WCW should not have lost War Games. Yeah. And they fucked over Sting repeatedly. <laughs> but he came back as the crow. Yeah. That was Scott yeah. Hall's idea. 
Yo, the crow shit was bananas. It was, but they should have made him wrestle more than what they eventually let him do against Bret Hart, and then that the whole Bret Hart match debacle. They teased and, that uh, same and thing the Hogan for like a match, year. The Hogan ma- no, the Hogan match debacle. That's what I meant. They're like, it was a fast count. Really? really, It really wasn't a fast count. Yeah. yeah. yeah but, uh, the match that always cracks me up whenever I think about it, Big Boss Man versus the Giant. Oh. <laughs> Wait, is this in WCW or WWF? WWF. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, this is when they when Big Show was hanging onto his daddy's casket. Oh, yep. Big Show, daddy. Yeah, you know what? That's a messed up. He stole the casket. It still cracks me up to this day. That is a messed up way. How, how you know how this is? This is how they thank Big Show. He wins the belt. Let's put him in a feud with Boss Man. Yeah, and talk about his dead dad. Yeah, his dad who had been dead for like ten years before all of a sudden died, and then he just stole the casket. And you just had to go, you know, boss man, you were just the world. That guy was a great heel. That guy was one of the best heels you'll ever find. He's like, what do I got to do? Oh, I'll be a security guard. Okay, everybody hates security guards or cops. Oh, I get to steal somebody's dead father's casket. Okay. Big Boss Man is like the perfect. If it was sound comic books, he's like the perfect B B villain, villain for a B level hero. You know what I'm saying? He's, he was like Max Lord before Max Lord or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was like yo, Big Boss Man. You ain't never supposed to like Big Boss Man. No, ever. he was Batrock. He was kind of like Batrock. Nah, he's way cooler than Batrock the Leaper. Yeah. Way cooler than that. What about What's Batrock the, sh- the Lover? Uh, he's, he's on some Captain Cold shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, yo, Captain Cold ain't really A level, but Captain Cold yeah. is tough. I you fuck yeah, Captain, Captain Cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great analogy. That's a great comparison. Yeah, he is Captain Cold. Because Rapture Rick Rude is craving the hunter, baby, the mustache. The mustache. <laughs> <laughs> See, because yeah, like Arn Anderson is uh, kind of like the evil version of Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on, dude! You saw he's Simon, son. Simon. What's not, a shame he, is the uh, Big Show thing. That was only the second worst thing that WWE did with the casket. Because the first worst thing was the whole Katie Vick, Kane, and Triple H thing. Oh. That wasn't right. The what? That wasn't right. They had uh, this whole thing where Kane was a face at the time and Triple H was a heel. And something about his girlfriend dying and apparently having relations with his dead girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and then Triple H did kind of a reenactment of it dressed up as Kane. Yeah. And it was all kinds of wrong. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible, but it was it was awesome because at that time it was like this is Kane was I think perfect when he had a mask. When she took off the mask and the hair, Kane yeah. has never been the same. It's like he's been a good villain, but it's like Doomsday. Like mm-hmm. you know, oh Doomsday is this made from Kryptonian people and he just comes back and he kind of gets pwned and they said that's Kane now with the mask without, with the shirt off and the bald head and the crazy looking eye like just remember like, yo, it's, still he, Isaac, it's still Isaac Ankum yeah. I don't care when he had the wig <laughs> on with the mask I know when he yo, took it off he became Isaac Ankum Again, no, I don't easy. care. I want Kane back. I want the shirt with the glove. I want the hair looking always wet. I want the mask, the mask of doom. You know, when that old Kane was coming out and the fire was was, was hot. Yeah. You go to the match, the fire is hot. You could be the cheap seats. <laughs> you can be broke. And you're going to feel that fire when he come out. When That's the Kane I want back. He'd be confused until his head inside like a dog. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he got choke slam through through the metal joint 
underneath the tank trying like in in like 2000 the summer of 2000 wow and he's ended the show like that like damn Kane got defeated Kane was back <laughs> is he is he still uh Paul Bearer's kid yeah Did they ever change? okay what real life? What do you mean in the no, show? No, in, in the show. It's storyline because that was oh, like the that, that, yo storylines get wiped away in wrestling like freaking DC Comics continuity. <laughs> that shit don't count. Edge <laughs> Christian was brothers. They ain't brothers no more. <laughs> they're both Canadian. They're always they're all brothers. Yeah, Paul Bearer <laughs> is actually brothers. back recently, but he's gone again already. Did, did, yeah, he, got, he got the stamina? He got the stamina to be out there, man. Did he bring yeah. the urn? He did bring the urn. Yo, with yeah. the urn with I love old Percy Pringle. Was Joe? When Undertaker comes this Sunday on this in your house. Oh, oh see, yes. You see, what y'all missed was when he was in a good old world, USWA World Class when he was Percy Pringle. Oh, oh yeah. He Did was the only guy. Game? He was the only guy that crippled uh, Von Erich could beat. Oh my. Oh. Chris, the mid uh, midget one that. Yeah. Wow. I'm stealing that name. Percy Pringle. That yeah. name is tough. <laughs> he had platinum blonde hair. Who had did, the Paul Undertaker Bear? did. Oh yeah. Undertaker. Yeah. Are you talking about Undertaker or Paul Bear? No, just... Paul Bear did when he was Percy okay. Pringle. Alright, as I Yeah, that's insane. I remember when Undertaker was me Mark Callis and his finishing move is the heart punch, which is the worst finishing move ever. <laughs> so okay. was that's not the... true. Stan Hansen had a damn good one. <laughs> Stan Hansen was also fucking blind. (laughs) The heart punch. Yeah, yeah, I always find that funny. Nobody ever wanted to wrestle Stan Hansen because he either because he was blind and he came into the ring with his chaw. Probably probably the chaw. That was probably. Guys, who was the name of that Asian dude back in the eighties? You come out with Mr. Fuji had like the poison mist and he had like a face painting or whatever. Buddha? Buddha. Thank you. He was awesome. Yeah, the great. He had some good matches with Sting too. Yeah. You know, then his back went out. Yeah. Did you ever see that WCW slash New Japan video? This was like in like eight, like late mid to late eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this videotape where New Japan would bring over the WCW guys and it was a New Japan wrestling versus WCW show and they would um they did it for like two straight years and what they did was it was a it was a New Japan show but it was sold and packaged on VHS tape as like a WCW versus New Japan. But New Japan was that the ones in was that the ones in the egg dome? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah and um it was called Star it was New Japan's version of Starcade. I thought that was IWGP that did that. No, I thought it was New Japan. I might be wrong, but it, it's um, but it was like their version of Starcade, and there's some classic matches on there, man. Oh, just fantastic matches. Actually, there's a podcast called the Old School Wrestling Podcast at I think like FlareChop.com. They they did a little commentary on that entire show because they had the tapes and they and they played them back because Flair was in it, Arn Anderson, Sting was in it. Steiners, yeah, the, oh yeah, the Steiners, yes, mullet mm. Steiners, yes, all those cats. Oh come on, they were southern. They they had those motherfuckers had a uh, mullet up until now. <laughs> I you know Big Papa Pump cut it cut his hair low like in the late nineties. Big Papa Dump. <laughs> I always remember that. <laughs> but no, man. Let, let's go ahead and, and move on. 
my favorite moments when I was a teenager, you know, in college, you know, got back into wrestling. It was back when, you know, WWF was all about the tag teams, and they had the Hardys, mm-hmm. they had the Dudleys, they had Asian Christian, and they had Kane, and I forgot who was with Kane. Was it Rhino? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I am so sad. I don't remember this. But they did this crazy tables, ladders, and chairs yeah. for the tag team belts. And it was just men flying all over the place. <laughs> tables being broken, chairs smacking people, ladder climbing, elbow drops. And it was just dudes of all sizes. Because, you know, the, the, the delis was kind of chunky. And you got yeah. King's big ass. And then you got freaking the hardest flying all over the place. And... It, it, oh my god it was like it was tag team heaven it was literally tag team heaven and every time I look at wrestling now and I don't see tag team heaven part of me dies inside because this was only 10 years ago it was only 10 years ago WrestleMania 2000 was Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys versus the Dudley Boys for the World Tag Team Championship in a triangle ladder match and yeah see that was the pay-per-view event but like the week before like on the show mm-hmm. they had freaking Kane in there with a tag team partner and it was just like, how you gonna do this on the regular show where I ain't gotta pay for it? <laughs> you wanna do this on the regular show? I got class the next day. <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing homework. I got a box of ginger snaps and a liter of Sprite all and a I, room full of people. All I remember, we lost our minds. <laughs> I remember in the WrestleMania 2000 match, Edge is on top of a ladder, jumps, <sighs> and catches, he gives... um. <laughs> Jeff Hardy the spear. Yes, he gives Jeff Hardy the yes. spear midair. Yeah. Yes, and they both just like hit the ring, and like I thought, I thought first I thought Jeff Hardy was dead, and I thought Edge <laughs> was out cold. Yo, yeah. that was a time period when you thought people were straight up going to die every week because they was like, let's like we need to you, we put a, we got a, like the war is on like everything just got crazy and crazy and crazy, and another favorite moment of mine. It was that time where you? It's just a, it's just a, it literally just a moment. That time when Stone Cold was coming out and they had the Austin awesome 316 glass, yeah. and when the song and it shatters and the glass shatters, and he walks through one of the coldest moments in history of foreverness. <laughs> like if I could walk into a room and I had music with glass shatters and I had like my symbols all on it, and like let's say if I come in the Super Show and it was glass, it was just like, and I just walk through it like, oh son. <laughs> Killing me right. No, why he's messing me right there. I'm historic. Yo, you need to watch Survivor Series. They had the first appearance of the Rock as Rocky Maivia because oh, no. there's a Stone Cold. Oh, sorry, what you said? I said, oh boy. Oh, okay. when you said Rocky Maivia. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I took it there yeah. because like Triple H was still Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the mm-hmm. Blue Blood. Anyway, um, there's a match on there between Stone Cold and I want to say Bret Hart. You mean when he broke his test? Is that the one where he got his chest broke? I don't know. I, I can't. I, that I can't remember because it's been a while. I just remember that was the first time I saw the glass break, and like they had, you know, because like I think they, that's it. Because I think that's where he broke his sternum. Hmm. <laughs> Stone Cold's broken in so many different ways is insane. Yeah, man. I don't even know how he's walking. Yeah, and like that was like the last. That was the last in my in my mind from what I can remember. That was like one of the last WWF pay per views where. You could tell they were trying to like you know go into that attitude era, 
but they were still at the same time trying to pull it over as a family event because the that pay-per-view for that for that survivor series was sponsored by karate masters which was a toy and you see like these karate master blimps going all all around little karate master blimps going all around the stadium but then you got stone cold flipping bret hart the bird yeah and but then you also have mankind mankind was there too and and then, but then you have these Survivor Series matches with, like, like I said, Rocky Maivia, which came off as, a, which came off as like a kids act, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley doing the curtsy and the bow because he's a blue blood royalty. And there's just this mixture. You have this attitude mixture, and you have this all ages mixture. Yeah. And it was it was weird. It was really weird. Plus, you had Psycho, uh, Psycho Sid. Yeah. Was that yeah, the Psycho match Sid where- versus Michaels? Yeah. For the was title. that the match where Bret Hart got uh, stone, stone Cold in the sharpshooter and then wouldn't let go, but Steve Austin never gave up, but he still lost the match? Yeah, I think so. Yes. So that kind of put him I, on the sure map as like the face. The, I, think, I thought that was the one at the uh, WrestleMania the next year. Could uh, be. They had a feud for a while. I know the Bret Hart Stone Cold feud, though, is what put Stone Cold as the map as being like the kind of anti hero mm-hmm. face because he wouldn't tap out to that sharpshooter. Oh God! Here's the other matches on that card: is Farouk, Vader, the second Razor Ramon, and the second Diesel. Oh, I remember. That. With Clarence Mason versus Flash Funk, what are you, wait, what are you Jimmy Snuka, Savio Vega, and Yokozuna. <laughs> oh, well, you never saw fake Diesel and fake Razor? No, dude. Like I, I told you the exact moment. <laughs> I was at a friend's house. It was October '96. Yeah, I saw Stone Cold stun the holy hell. Out of Vince McMahon, I did not know Vince McMahon stopped being an announcer. <laughs> he was somehow yeah. he was the owner of the company, which I now know that was always the case. But then I just thought he was an announcer person, yeah. and I was like, "Who is this guy with a hat, baseball hat on and shorts and shoes?" I was like, "When did wrestlers stop wearing tights?" Yeah. Well, when, when Diesel and uh, when Diesel and Razor went over to WCW and became you know Nash and Hall. Yeah, you know, that was a big thing, and then WWF was like, "Well, you know what? We still have the rights to Diesel, and we still have the rights to Razor Ramon, so we're gonna give people Diesel and Razor Ramon." So actually, before Kane was Kane, he was fake Diesel. What? And then they had some other guy come in as like fake Razor, and they actually did all the moves the same and all that, but didn't go where pretty much anywhere. Yeah, yeah, they oh, actually threatened to sue uh, National Hall if they called themselves if uh, they even bothered to even quasi use their names. Yeah. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. It was Mark Merrow, Rocky, Jake Roberts, and the Stalker with Sable versus Crush, Jerry Lawler, Triple H, and Goldust. And the other one was Doug Furness, Phil LaFone, Henry Godwin, and Phineas Godwin with Hillbilly Jim, and Owen Hart, British Bulldog, Mario Gennetti, and Leif Cassidy. Remember him? Wow. Remember, wasn't, wasn't Leif Cassidy one of the rockers? No, it was all snow. Okay. Yeah. I miss Good old Psycho people. Sid. I miss La Parka. I miss all the luchadors was on WCW. Oh, right. uh, yeah. The oh, LWO. Crazy freaking crazy. This is Fuck before it was that. They were Conan. just crazy luchador matches, and they would come out with crazy costumes and music, and they would just go bananas. Yeah. You had Psychosis and Juventud Carrera. Yep. Did they go bananas or plantanas? Only when they only when they had crazy matches. You know, That's why yeah. I would say the, the tag team crazy matches of WWF was... Those were playing tennis because I think those guys were trying to kill each other. Yeah, man. I think the hardest was playing to walk away from those matches. <laughs> I loved it when Jericho was in a match with uh, a luchador and he just would just like talk so much shit about him. It would always crack me up. 
Well, see, but that was during a period of time when WCW, like, really, when Bischoff was pushing cruiserweights and bringing in the luchadors and, 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 you know, because Jericho Jericho was a cruiserweight um, with WCW. And that was awesome. And then, like, he just cut all that stuff off and it all ended. And then he made uh, Mysterio take off the mat, the luchador mask. I'm like, look, I don't know much about wrestling. I know, I know, you know, I know enough. But one thing I do have always known is that luchadors are never supposed to take off their mask. Yeah, I think he got Rey Mysterio and Juventud Guerrero both without their masks. Yeah, yeah, and I never, I've never seen uh, Mysterio's face. I refuse to see it. No, you're better off for it, probably. <laughs> but, also, but that was also the time when No Limit was on freaking WCW. Master I P was remember. up in there wrestling. Yeah, and Master P brought a uh, swole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just remember WCW when Chris Jericho took on Ray one time, and then they're up. You know, Chris Jericho was sitting up on the turnbuckle, and Ray tried to pull Horker on him, and Chris just grabbed those legs and jumped forward and had him in the walls of Jericho right there. It was oh, that was a great match! Awesome. Yes. It was awesome. Jericho oh, was. I, was, I remember. Uh, remember the WCW game they came out with right after uh, the Nitro game they came out with on uh, the N64. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could take Jericho and I could beat anybody with Jericho unless they took Goldberg. If you took Goldberg, you could beat me, but no one else. Every, anyone else, I could always beat you with Jericho, but I could never beat Goldberg. Tell you about one of my favorite matches, and this was like on an episode of Raw. This match, if, if you think about it, shouldn't really happen, and it makes no sense to book it or card it. This ended up actually being one of the best matches I've ever seen in my entire life on Raw, and this was still WWF Raw. And The Rock was gone. I, mean, I think he was filming Scorpion King at the time. Triple H was the champ because he had just beat Big Show and got the belt. Come to find out, Triple H is supposed to scrap with Taka Michinoku. For the title. Oh man, not Takamichinoku. Yes, oh, Takamichinoku. Yes. Now I and here I am thinking this is gonna be a joke. Are you serious? Because they never did Takamichinoku right. Never did yeah. it right. Never yeah. ever. And and so Triple H versus Takamichinoku. Uh, and so the, right before the match starts, you see you know Taka comes out with the, with the, with the flags to waving the flag left and right. Triple H is like, this ain't real. You got to be kidding me. This ain't good. no. And then the APA comes out. And the APA are going to be enforcers and push the rest of, like, you know, DX away, Billy Gunn and all of them, push them away from even bothering Taka Michinoku. So then the match starts. I'm going to tell you something. This is one of the greatest wrestling matches ever as far as technicality, as far as the moves, as far as the crowd getting into it. And I swear, there was a moment even they convinced me that Taka was going to win that match. Mm. I still got that on tape somewhere. That is, in all seriousness, that is one of the best put together ma- one of the best put together matches in the history of wrestling. I know people are like, man, that, that's a joke, right? Are you serious? I am serious. That was a great match. It's actually, if you go to uh, his Wikipedia page, that match is actually listed. Utaka's uh, uh, page? Yeah. Wow. See, I'm, I love the APA. Yeah, a- <laughs> uh, APA was, was great. <laughs> Just sitting at the back playing cards, drinking beer. Don't mess it up because they'll fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was, my only, those are my dudes right there. I was so sad when they broke up. That's when I when I'm really mad, I'll do the I'll be damn. <laughs> you know, you gotta put that extra bass up in there. 
<laughs> Ron Simmons is the most country guy I have ever heard, but he will fuck you up. Yes, he will. Yo, well, Bradshaw wasn't insane back. when he went all um, rich. I wasn't yeah, insane. JBL. Yeah, JBL. <laughs> it was funny. Small country. No, I just remember. I just remember like. Like from that match, the one thing I, I took away from that match is is that like I started to watch more APA matches after that, and and it looked like Bradshaw was actually hurting people. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he probably was the wrestler. Yo, when Bradshaw would clothesline somebody, like you know, because Jim Ross would put that emphasis on it, you, you know, when he clothesline from hell and all this other stuff, but. Bradshaw just made it it hurt okay anytime I watched the APA wrestle somebody I knew somebody was hurting after that match and it wasn't the APA oh I miss them I, I, that I <laughs> that I really miss I truly miss the APA I really do you know one of my only uh, Taka Mishinoku memories and it still sticks with me is there was a Royal Rumble he was in and he got tossed out so hard he landed like on his chest and head and it actually dislocated his shoulder <sighs> and I think WWF or WWE at the time, they replayed it like six times, like over and over again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and every time you would just cringe and you're like, why do they keep showing this to this poor man? No, like, I remember that, man. Yeah, oh. it was awful. Poor little guy. <laughs> <laughs> Since we already talked about some of the good, you know, it's not wrestling unless you talk about some of the bad also. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, I'm a fan of WrestleCrap. I don't know if you guys ever read WrestleCrap or been on the web- WrestleCrap website, but it's like all the bad gimmicks and bad storylines and all that. Yeah. And there was one storyline WWF that has to be the worst, and it's it deals with when Mark Henry had a girlfriend by the name of Mae Young. Oh, <laughs> oh God. And she got pregnant. And then when she had birth to the baby. No, you are not talking about that. Oh, my God. She gave birth to a hand. And then they went to commercial. And when it came back, you never saw Mae Young again. You don't know what happened with the hand. You don't know. It was like they had the storyline going. And they just didn't know what to do with it. They instantly they knew they messed hey, up. Let's, let's make her give birth to a hand. And I still don't understand it. I don't like it. It just confuses me. But it was just so terrible that. It will forever be in my memory, unfortunately. Yeah, personally, I don't think Mark Henry's ever recovered from that. <laughs> of course, at the time, he was sexual chocolate. Yes, he was sexual yeah. chocolate, but I, yeah. he's he's never recovered from that. Not only that, the man's supposed to be like this, you know, the strongest man in the world. He's one of the wrestlers, I think. I don't know if the WWF or WWE have ever really truly known how to use him. But he's yeah. always stuck around. Also, to stick with the bad, and like in this case, a bad gimmick, back in the old NWA WCW days, I don't know if any of you remember this, but there was a tag team called the New Breed. Oh. And their whole oh, thing wow. was that they were from the year 2002. <laughs> <laughs> this was the gimmick that they time-traveled back. And I think at the time they said the president was Dusty Rhodes. No. Yes. No. Yes. That, that's awful. <laughs> yes, it was. Who was who, stuck with me? Who was in the new breed? Chris Champion and Steve Royal, two guys you never heard from again, with good reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can steal that name. Chris Champion is tough. <laughs> yeah. One time, Steve Royal got hurt and got a cast or something on his hand. When <laughs> and when he came back, he saw the cast on, but they had like some metal stuff on there and wiring to make it look all futuristic. 
and all that. And it was just, man, I was like, are they really telling us that they're from the year 2002? <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd know of a wrestling gimmick quite as bad as that one. Yeah, that's pretty bad. No, that's, that's, that's about as bad as the Gladiators, uh, the West Coast Champions, and they were supposed to be part of this major tag team tournament for, uh, for NWA. And um, it's supposed to be like this ultimate tag team tournament. They kept hyping up these dudes, and they were supposed to fight the uh, the Mokey Brothers in the first round. And the Mokey Brothers were the ultimate jobbers. I mean, they lost to everybody, and they got beat badly. And they kept hyping up the Gladiators. The Gladiators show up, and lo and behold, the Mokey the Mokey Brothers actually get a win, and they beat the Gladiators. So I think that might be the Mokey Brothers' only win ever. That Mark Henry angle has stuck in my head again. That will never go away now. Damn it. I'm sorry. It's all right, man. You know, so, but you got you to gotta talk about the good and the bad, bro. Whew, so rough. matches that define who your federation is and who you are. And the one that always, to me, defined what the NWA and later the WCW was is not necessarily the 60-minute Ironman match that Flair would always put on. It was the greatest game match, the match beyond war games. Just the way you entered, too. I mean, you had, you, went, you, taught, you flipped a coin. One person goes in. Two minutes later, somebody from the other team goes in. One minute beat down, and somebody else comes in from your side. And just on and on to, until everybody's in. And then initially it was you had to submit the other team, and then they changed it to pinfall or submission. And you just saw some massive beatdowns at times, including the infamous uh, near killing of Brian Pillman by Steve, uh, I mean by Sid Vicious. Hmm. But you just watched those matches and they were some damn good matches, every one of them. Anytime I saw a, a War Games match, it was like, oh, these are great. And, of course, there's its antithesis, the original ladder match, the scaffold match. Oh, yeah. Did you ever watch it? Have y'all ever seen a Starcade 86 or 87 on paper on a tape? No, I haven't, no. Starcade 86 had uh, the Road Warriors versus mm-hmm. the Midnight Express on one, and you just saw them up there, and you're going... Both of that's the only time I've ever seen the Road Warriors scared. You're talking they're 30 feet up in the yeah. air, and these are 80s rings that are hard. They ain't. They, there's no give in those 80s rings. No, especially not in a Jim Crockett uh, ring. <laughs> no. Actually, you know my first my first live event I ever went to. Barry Windham and Lex Luger were wrestling. I think Gladiator and Barbarian, and they did a suplex and broke the ring. Oh my. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's like, there's other matches that define, I mean, like if you, if you grew up in the South in Memphis where Jerry Lawler was king, it was the hair match was always the big match. Occasionally the loser leave town, but it was always the hair match. That's what I got to say is that I always remember any time that I saw that, oh my God, there's going to be a war games match. It, it meant something big. That's why I'm always pissed that Bischoff booked the WCW guys to lose their match to the NWO, especially when Sting came in, cleared house, and then just got up and left because he had the baseball bat.
All right, I'm going to take it back to you. Late 90s, WCW was high like fire. You know, they're coming on Mondays, they rule the night. You know, this is before they started showing Mortal Kombat TV show afterwards. There was this man. He walked from the background. This ominous music. It was like a super Jew. Goldberg. Goldberg came out. He ran his body through another person's body. At least that's what you thought. <laughs> and he picked him up and he did this crazy move. Seems like he was going to break the ring every time. Yes. Then he left. Mm-hmm. This continued. Wouldn't talk. <laughs> Didn't talk to nobody. Had a mustache. Nope. He held on his chest. He like a triangle where he walked. And that joint went on for weeks. You get hyped. You go to school the next day. You know what I'm saying? I was in high school. Come in like in the morning. It's like, suck. And I was talking about be like, young. You see that joint last night, young? Pick that dude up. Sand down and left. Three months went by, same thing. You get that freaking new game, he's still doing the same thing. And that joint was hot like fire. He was like, yo, if he ever, whew, he gonna get that belt. Then he freaking lost. <laughs> he lost to the freaking NWO. It's like, yo, what? The, what the, them dude, half them dudes is old as dirt. <laughs> but that but they did have drunk. to use, they had to use the cattle prod to win, though. Nah, nah, nah. See, you don't understand. That's how they messed up. Sometimes, yeah. but they don't understand. You just need to have the unstoppable force win. Yep. They shouldn't have him aligned with WCW, NWO. He should have just been Goldberg. Goldberg should have just came in, crushed everything, looked at Sting, they fought, and he should have just left for three months and then come back and start it all over again. <laughs> but what was worse is everything up until that whack loss. The streak was perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. I want all that on DVD, just the streak. They just WWF just come out with DVD called Goldberg the Streak. It'd be awesome. That video would be like seventy minutes <laughs> because dude, his fights and like because like it was, it was they just had it worked out. He walked through the walked through the smoke, snort out the smoke, snort the smoke, spit it, spit the smoke out, go in, wrestle, spear, slam, pounce, bounce. But it was classic every Unless- single time. Unless he had to fight Steven Regal, then Steven would stretch him out and go, "Look, motherfucker, you're not. If you fight a real wrestler, they're going to beat your ass, and then then give up and quit." <laughs> no, don't matter, man, because he he was a football player and he worked because he was huge. He was huge. Steve. I always remember Regal got pissed and Regal got. Fi- that's why Regal got fired the first time. Well, that and showing his dick to stewardesses. <laughs> That will get you fired. Yes, it will. Unless you're a porn star. Well, we all remember the Goldberg streak, but the Hogan-Goldberg match that led up to it, which was absolutely crazy. I'm like, how are you going to have a show? How are you going to have that match on cable TV? Yeah, and not pay-per-view. Yeah. Yep. That's one of the things that killed WCW. And I understand. You know, you want to switch it up, change it up, and just live off this hype. But I'm like... Yeah, y'all should have pumped that up. Definitely pumped it up for a pay-per-view. But he should be right, though. He should have never lost. Because I remember when he got the belt, no more than a couple weeks later, Nash, who was booking the matches at the time, mm-hmm. booked Goldberg to lose. And I was just like, oh. And then and then Nash had the belt and handed it back to Hogan. Yep. And I was he tapped him. It ruined the streak. And that's when... I was clearly watching more WWF because Stone Cold was not losing the belt in nothing that lame. No, no. The Rock would never lose the belt that lamely. The thing that was uh, kind of ironic about his loss with the whole cattle prod thing is before, I swear, before that happened, we were sitting there, me and my brother and my friends, and we were watching it. My brother said, the only way Goldberg's going to lose is someone brings a cattle prod to the ring. 
And sure enough, here comes Hall with the cattle prod. And it's a beaten Goldberg. So to this day, we call it the cattle prod prediction. So anytime you're watching a pay-per-view and you predict something's going to happen and you're correct, it's the cattle prod prediction. So him coming back was dope in WWE when Brock Lesnar was big and they went at it. It was dope even though Brock Lesnar couldn't professional wrestle for his ass. But it was was still dope. Yeah, I was upset back in WCW. They never did anything with the whole Chris Jericho and Goldberg thing. Yeah, I thought they was going to do something with that, too. I really did. They ain't never know how to use Chris Jericho in freaking WCW. Yep. That's he was true, never yeah. getting the big-time matches. He didn't get the big-time matches. He did the WWF. And then, like, he was the man because he had the kick-ass music. Yep. And he was just beasting. Come on, he unified the belts. Yeah. And not only that, not only, he wasn't the only dude that didn't get treated right in WCW. Eddie Guerrero was another oh, yeah. dude. Eddie Guerrero's in the new freaking game. What? He's in the new freaking super crazy All-Stars. Yeah. Yeah, they put all the old guys in there, too. But it's like they got the dead people in there, too. Mm. Ricky Steamboat's in there. (gasps) Oh, yep. Everybody look like 1987 action figures. I'm telling you, the game is bananas. That guarantees I'm buying this game now. That guarantees it. (laughs) Flat out guarantees it. WrestleMania 18, Rock versus Hollywood Hogan in in Canada. One of the, just, man, words cannot express the pure joy of watching that match. Because to me, that was the last time Hogan was Hogan. I don't care if it's it's Hollywood. I don't care if it's red and yellow Hogan. That Mm -hmm. was the last time Hogan looked like Hogan to me. Yeah. And they both put on a hell of a show and it was that passing the torch match essentially that's what it was and it was like the two icons yes icon versus icon god that was a great match (laughs) that was such a great match and the crowd the crowd bit in just loved it bit into it for 100 percent and they were you know rooting for hogan rooting for rock and then they would boo rock and then they would get behind rock and then they cheer hogan again it was crazy and it, it was and it was a well put together match. It was you know it was well put together, well structured, and you know and Hogan held up. And that was my biggest fear. I was like, man, can Hogan you know can Hogan still do this? And he could. I wasn't worried about Rock, but I was real real concerned about Hogan. Hogan pulled it off, and yep. that is one of my favorite matches of all time. One of my favorite WrestleManias too. Um, that was a good WrestleMania. Yes, it was through and through. So so yeah, man. And the build up to that match. Where Rock was talking smack to Hogan, because I, I remember that Raw where like Hogan came to the ring and stepped in like Rock's face, and like Rock called him out. Yes or no? Let the Rock paint a picture for you. The fantasy matchup no one would have ever thought they could have seen. The fantasy matchup that transcends this industry. The fantasy matchup that will determine who will go down in history as being the absolute best ever. But you know what? Maybe it's... 
One for the ages, King. Dream match. Hogan seems to be hesitating. You know what? Maybe it's not up to you to decide. Maybe it's not up to The Rock to decide. Maybe, just maybe, it's up to the people. Wait a minute. Fans want to see it, King. At WrestleMania, do you people want to see the immortal Hulk Hogan go one-on-one with the Great One? side of the crowd is screaming Rocky the other side screaming Hogan and then they would turn heads and then like the sound would switch the other side starts screaming Hogan and the other side starts screaming Rocky this is epic it's like you know superhero stuff and that's the one that's like I guess that's something I kind of miss with like a lot of these wrestlers nowadays is that you know in the 80s yeah there was a lot of steroids okay you know let's let's be real there's a lot of steroids but them dudes look like superheroes and the dudes had characters and they yes. they was high but they knew how to they knew how to act yeah yeah there was there were, there were a lot of characters they looked like superheroes and they were just like these battles now a lot of these cats there's still a lot of cats out there nowadays that are doing it and I respect them but a lot of them don't have any personalities they don't have any characters just more like they're MMA dudes you know what I mean Mm-hmm. And that's how it comes off. But I, I kind of missed that. And that Hulk, and that Hulk Rock match, both of these dudes had charisma. Both of these dudes had care, you know, had you know characterization behind them. They had the complete package. We've seen Hulk Hulk out a gajillion times, but that match it meant something. We've seen Rock do the rock bottom, the people's elbow. We've seen Hogan do the leg drop and the boot to the face. We've seen all that. But that match. It just all was just it was just amazing, and I I still got the DVD. It's just it's fantastic. Yeah, that drama was epic. There's not that many young cats. You're right though. I like the Miz though. Yeah, Miz is cool. Miz is cool, and you know as, as for much shit people give Cena, Cena's a hell of a wrestler, man. I don't care what anybody says. It's yo, I, Cena's whole career has been dope. He's like the last of the new kids that could do it. Like I remember he first came out ruthless aggression, and he was slamming people. And he came back as that like that wigger rapper with the stupid hats. <laughs> yeah. And then he actually became like had, the actual rapper wrestler, and he actually had that first. I still like his music. That little pa, pa, da, pa, like that beat is tough. Yeah. I don't care what nobody like that beat is tough. That he used to tough. wrestle in Reebok pumps. Yes, yeah, that was the best part. He would pump them yeah. up. 
<laughs> yep. Oh, that scared me. It was right when it was coming back. It was right when the Reebok pumps came back. I was like, oh my god, he got pumps on. <laughs> That's the streets right there. I mean, he's looking at the he's looking at hype beast. Yep. I just remember one rap he cut on Brock Lesnar that just had me rolling. <laughs> About you know, big Brock Lesnar. Here comes the pain. God give me body, forget to give me brain. Oh, <laughs> And he said something about why do you have a tattoo of your mama on your back and all that. Oh man, he, yeah, mm. yeah, man, that was good. To that like, it's it's nice little blips. Yo, you're right though. That 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 WrestleMania was was on point. And there, you know, there were like a lot of like fantastic moments, good, bad, everything that we skipped out. You know, we probably didn't talk about those listening. We probably didn't talk about your favorite wrestler, or favorite moment. You know, but like I said, we were just gonna reminisce a little bit. So Midnight the Express, first in the cell. Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> Rock and Roll Express. The first Hell in the Cell is still classy. Oh, uh, Mankind versus uh, Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah, and he went through the. He, oh my God, that's like I, he, he. That man should have died like eight times in that match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No and doubt. the second one was dope too. And um, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Anything with Shawn Michaels in a big match, he gonna come correct. Undertaker, that's sweet chin music. Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, um, WrestleMania twenty five. Is that the last one? No, not the last one. The, the one, not well, not not the one that just passed. No, I shouldn't say twenty five. I'm sorry. It was like twenty four. Is the one where Michaels came down, kind of looked like Undertaker, but he was an all white with the big white hat, and he like came. Oh, he was good. Yeah, he's all awesome. yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. Like that he, might have been twenty five because he wrestled him at the last two WrestleManias. Okay, dressed right. like Raiden. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and, and he came down. It's like he came down from the heavens, and then like you know, an Undertaker came, like came, you know, came from up from up under. That was yeah. smooth. That was so smooth. I hate to say this, I would not want to be the person who's booked against the Undertaker at WrestleMania because you know you're not going to win. Well, it's, it's contractual. Right? You aren't going to win. Yeah. You shouldn't though. That's the streak. Yeah. Nah, man. I think he needs to lose once. No, uh, not anymore. I would have said that at one point. At one point, I was hoping he'd like you know let some young up and coming talent beat him and get the streak, get that kind of you know rub from him. But now it's gone so long. It's like you can't give it up now. I don't care, dude. Like I ain't want to see Shawn Michaels go home. Shawn Michaels is my dude. I like Undertaker and all, but him becoming a biker tarnished his awesomeness. Shawn Michaels, he came back. He get down. He pray. The fire come down. He still got the sweet chin music. He's still gonna kick. The shit out of your face. <laughs> yeah. In the face. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is dating back ten years. I mean, everybody knows who would beat in a real actual fight. And uh, until a couple of years ago, Callus was always way up on that list. Yeah, it's like the one person that nobody ever really wanted to fuck with was uh, Big Show because Big Show got pissed he could crush you without even trying. Yeah. Because yeah. he's actually that he's huge. It's like that's just real yeah. life. You yeah. can just really crush the shit out of you. Angle was was uh, also the great was also would kick everybody's ass because uh, I think Shamrock one time kind of smarted off and Angle in about five seconds had him down and was beating his ass and this was Shamrock <laughs> after he left W uh, right after he had left uh, UFC. You Kurt Angle got two gold medals. Medals. All, that's real talk. Do you all remember when Kurt Angle fought Shane McMahon in that Falls County yes. match and he tried three times? to throw Shane McMahon through that plate glass window and it didn't break. Yeah. Yes. He landed on his neck like three times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Busted his head open too. 
Yeah, I was like, Yo. can you just like skip this part? But he kept trying until finally he got that window to break. Real talk. You know, Shane was probably saying, keep doing it, motherfucker. Keep yeah. doing it. Yeah. Shoot, Shane is insane. Yo, that one time he fought Kane, he like flew through some fire that like chair shot freaking Kane in the face. Yeah. Always gets my respect. No. Kurt no. Angle, man. That's my I keep, dude. Thinking, I keep thinking Shane is separated at birth because he looks so much like Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> I just, nah, he looked like his daddy. I just looked just like now, but he used to look like shit. He looks like Jimmy Kimmel when he was younger. I remember when Shane McMahon fought Big Show at a pay per view, and oh. Shane McMahon climbed to the top of the Titantron yep. screen and did a flying <laughs> elbow to Big Show from that the Titantron. So and I, was... it got so out of control. Even wrestlers, wrestlers were like, "Stop doing this shit because we can't top that." Stop yep. it. He ain't care because you know he's going to get that. He know he's going to get stitched up. He got money. <laughs> yeah. He know he's going to go to the hospital and get all the best, all the finest. He's going to do it. This is for his daddy company. That was because uh, was it Chris Harvard pointed out that he was one of the guys uh, starting about, what, five years ago, the WWE started pulling way back because guys were like, we're going to fucking die. Yeah. That's the, like, yeah. all the Hardys and Edge and Christian. They can't top themselves every time. Yeah, I so they're like, so they cut back on the chair life. shot, too. Yep. The well, concussion yeah. risk is why. Yeah. Then one time, I think, I forgot, one of them put, like, another person through, like, three tables at once. Yeah. Mm. Yo, from the ladder, mm. yo, almost. Mm. Yo, I was so for clumped. <laughs> yeah. Yo. I mean, the thing that caused him to pull back was the Benoit incident, because yeah. Benoit's brain had basically... Turn the last. He went insane. Yeah. He went insane. Because of concussions and everything, it changed his brain so bad. I mean, they said in the last year he wasn't even. They weren't even scripting his matches. He's. They were calling it in the ring. Everything. It was. It was and for a guy like Benoit, that was like what? They weren't yeah. working it out beforehand. I don't yeah. like how WWE retconned history where Chris Benoit never existed. They but need to stop that did. because the funny thing was Chris Chris Norinsky freaking tough enough candidate is like an actual real fucking smart person who's now I see him on 60 Minutes like every couple of freaking months I just talk about football players and how fucked up they are and guess who's on there talking about it freaking Mr. I have a big ass degree Chris Norinsky yeah he's, like, he's just about to get his uh He's going for his doctorate, I think, right now. Yeah, yeah that institute. He had a good article, uh, interview on uh, the Bill Simmons podcast a couple of weeks ago, talking about. I mean, that's why he quit being a wrestler is because of the concussion risk. And guys were like giving him shit when he quit because he had to stay out because he's like n- the neurological risk. Yeah, it was. He's smart. Like he's the really the first person to really call. Like yo, Chris Benoit went insane because he he got hit on the head too much. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah, and he said it's a different between the way the chair shots used to be where you had a hand up and your hand was absorbing so much of the thing where guys put their hands down and were getting hit and smacked in the back of the head or the front of the head. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that, I, I think it is bullshit that they have basically gotten rid of my second favorite wrestler of all time. Chris Benoit was the truth. That freaking flying yeah. headbutt and the, the cross face crip. Yo, crippler cross face. Yo, let me put that. Let me let me get mad at somebody. I'll put that. I'll put that on somebody in the middle of the street. <laughs> Don't get me mad at Super Show. Yeah, that that flying headbutt is probably what. Did, That's probably what did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing it every match.
gonna wrap up this uh, super wrestling talk. Uh, but before we do so, let's uh, get some um, let's get some notations from our from our special guest Ryan. Where can people hear your podcast on the internet and whatnot, and um, where can they find you? Incredible Hulk cast can be found at www.comicbooknoise.com slash Hulk. Uh, the Trip Podcast is kind of reminiscing retro type podcasts. Kind of like this, except we don't know what we're talking about as much as Sean does. And we're you know, not as bright. But uh, that's the trippodcast.wordpress.com. And if you care to see any of my artwork, then I have art blog, which is comicbooknoise.com slash Ryan King. All right. Thank you. Um, Julian, where can they find the Glyph-nominated Ants and the Ignorant Bliss podcast? You can find Ants at ants.julianlando.com. It updates Tuesdays and Thursdays. Basically, if the day has a T, that's when Ants updates. And Ignorant Bliss, you can get it at ignorant-bliss.com. You can do a search on iTunes because I'm like the only dude with that title. Now, John, um, where can people find you on the internet? On this wonderful feed under the Carol Chronicles. Uh, I have my own personal blog at uh, theoblivionbar.blogspot.com. It's mostly just a recap of my daily life and my pursuit towards a marathon and then eventually an ultra marathon, hopefully this year. Uh, that's about it. All right. Thank you for being on the show and uh, thank you for helping me reminisce about some wrestling. No problem, hey, no problem man. Woo! <laughs> Space! Mountain! <laughs> and that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com and is also available via iTunes. And you can still go to pkdmedia.com to get our podcast, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store for free. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment, or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.